hello and welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all my work over there at milehighsports.com or on my Twitter page at TJ McBride NBA. Um, this is going to be a Thanksgiving edition of the podcast. So the Nuggets just got done beating the Wolves 103-101 to the day before Thanksgiving. But by the time that you guys end up listening to this, it's going to probably be Thanksgiving. I don't even know if I'll be able to even get the podcast posted before midnight, but happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners, and I guess the Nuggets are going to be very thankful they finally got a big win on the road against the Wolves. The Nuggets had lost 6 of 7 before this game, and now they got their another big win, and they are back on their way to kind of getting their feet back under them and back on track. So they finish up their three-game road trip just 1 and 2, but again, they're 11 and 7 now. They're top 10 in both offensive and defensive uh, rating, and they're finally starting to feel good about themselves. That's what Michael Malone emphasized after the game, is that the team needs to start feeling good about themselves again, and they really need to get that joy back within their game that's really been lacking for the majority of the season. So what we're going to end up talking about in this podcast is Paul Millsap having just a phenomenal game, even though he did end up getting hurt in that third quarter and basically took a nice cut across the face after colliding with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, that cut did require stitches, but Paul Millsap did return and really helped carry the Nuggets to this gigantic win that they needed so badly. Uh, Jamal Murray had a phenomenal third quarter and really set the tone for the Nuggets' comeback in this game. Um, we'll talk about how he was great defensively in that quarter and how his offense was coming fluidly. Um, also, I mean, honestly, it wasn't just Jamal Murray that had a great third quarter. It was really the entire Nuggets team. The Nuggets won the third quarter, third 35 to 18, and that's really where they won the game. We'll get into how Millsap, Gary Harris, and Jamal were great on defense in that um, in that in that third quarter. We'll talk about Nikola Jokic's well-rounded game, even if his offensive scoring was not there tonight. And we'll talk about how Monte Morris continually keeps playing well, night in and night out, like a seasoned vet. Um, we'll also talk about Gary Harris breaking out of his slump. We'll talk about the free throw disparity of this past three-game road trip. And then we'll finish up with the Nuggets' struggles in the fourth quarter. Um, we'll actually not even finish up there. We'll also talk about what the Nuggets have in terms of their schedule looking ahead for the next eight games. And we'll also get to some Twitter questions. So we're going to have a very full, busy podcast coming up. But before we talk about all of those things, let me give you a quick word from our sponsor. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all of the brands that you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves at having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find on the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come into one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. All right, let's dive into all of the inner working pieces of the Nuggets' victory over the Timberwolves, and there's no better place to start than Paul Millsap, who had arguably one of the best games of his career in a Nuggets uniform. 
So he finished the night with 25 points on 11 of 13 shooting, including 2 of 2 from 3-point distance, to go with 5 rebounds, 5 steals, and a block. He was just everywhere on both ends of the floor, whether he was scoring or hitting threes or you know, keeping the ball moving. He didn't register any assists, but he was moving the ball well. And defensively, he was just everywhere. Weak side rotation, block shot here, getting into passing lanes there. Paul Millsap was really phenomenal. And... It was interesting because right about the six-minute mark of the third quarter, he took a shot from Carl Anthony Towns, whether it was an elbow or something that hit him in the head, and it basically put a big cut on Paul Millsap's eyebrow or forehead area. Paul Millsap then had to leave the game and was in the locker room getting stitched up, apparently, according to Katie Wingy of Altitude, and he came back into the game after getting about five stitches and continued to carry this Nuggets to victory when they needed it the most. Paul Millsap is the most veteran leader on this Nuggets team. And when the Nuggets needed him, he stepped up in that way. He was the the leader the Nuggets needed. Again, this was probably the most important game of the season because the Nuggets were kind of already just discombobulated as a team. And Paul Millsap made sure that this was going to be a game that helped them gain momentum, not lose even more of it. So he really came out and just set the tone. And then after getting hurt and then returning, he really embodied a lot of the toughness that has kind of started to define this Nuggets team. When when things all get lost, they have been finding ways to grit out performances that either help them win games or at least keep them in these kinds of close games. They've been losing a lot of games recently that were very, very close, and the only reason they've even been in them is because they're just gritting out these games when they need to, and tonight was no different, and Paul Millsap continued to embody that. Michael Malone has a lot of thoughts about how he wants this Nuggets team to play, and it seems like Paul Millsap is really the physical embodiment of those thought processes. He wants guys who are team-oriented, he wants guys who are incredibly tough, he wants guys who are bought in on the defensive end of the floor, and Paul Millsap is all of those things. So... This is the kind of performance the Nuggets need from Paul Millsap. He doesn't have to have 25. He doesn't need to shoot, what, 11 from 13 from the field. He just needs to continually be, I guess, Michael Malone's eyes and ears on the court and keep the Nuggets playing that brand of basketball because when they are, they're at their best. This Nuggets team is not at their best when their offense is just humming. They're at their best when their defense is locked in and it's stimulating their offense. And... Uh, the entire night, especially at the very beginning of that third quarter, Paul Millsap was the person who was pushing that agenda along with this Nuggets team. But just overall, and just a phenomenal performance from Paul Millsap, scoring all over the floor, defending all over the floor, and really keeping things going for the Denver Nuggets when they needed the most. They desperately needed a win, and it was Paul Millsap who carried them to a win tonight. The next thing that I really thought led to this Nuggets victory that they needed so badly was the play of uh, Jamal Murray, especially in that third quarter. He just turned up his defensive aggression to an entirely different level in that third quarter. So overall, Jamal Murray had an alright game. He had 18 points on 6 of 15 shooting, including 4 of 8 from 3-point distance to go with 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, 2 blocks, and a steal. He was an overall plus 8 on the night, but... He really didn't have the same impact throughout the game as he did to start that third quarter. He had two blocks in that third quarter. He got a deflection in that third quarter. He hit two big three-pointers in that third quarter. And he 
he really set the tone for the Nuggets to be able to rally back in that second half because the Nuggets were, at the end of the second quarter, they were losing grips on the game. Their lead had fallen away pretty far. All of a sudden, they were down by 10 points, and it just wasn't quite... Things felt like they were kind of getting out of hand quickly, and they and everyone knew the Nuggets needed to come out of the out of halftime with more urgency and more aggression than they had before. And it was really Jamal Murray that set that tone. It was Jamal Murray that came out and punched first, and that was something that the Nuggets desperately needed. And it all started defensively. He was fighting over screens, getting into passing lanes, contesting shots, and just battling. He was getting on the ground, diving for 50-50 balls. That's the kind of toughness that Michael Malone has been looking for. And once Jamal Murray came out and really punched first out of each team, that is what allowed the Nuggets to kind of get some hope back and some joy back and some momentum. And it really propelled them throughout the third quarter that eventually ended with the Nuggets you know, winning the quarter 35 5 to 18. Without Jamal Murray in that stretch, I don't think the Nuggets come away with a victory tonight. There were things that he still struggled with. He was not very good in the fourth quarter and definitely had some turnovers that were less than ideal, and he was still taking some ill-advised shots, but overall, Jamal Murray's impact on this game was genuinely positive just because of how important that third quarter stretch was. I've been kind of hard on Jamal Murray throughout this podcast, I mean, throughout this season, really, but that third quarter, he was great, and that is exactly the kind of player you want to see from the Nuggets, and offensively, we talked a lot about how good his defense was, but offensively, he was getting his shots in the rhythm of the offense. He wasn't playing in spite of the offense, which is such an important development, because right now, it really feels like Jamal Murray is playing a different brand of offensive basketball than the rest of his teammates, but in that third quarter, he was not, and that's what led to him having the 11 points he also threw in two assists in that third quarter and had those two big three-pointers that really helped the Nuggets take back control of this game if the Nuggets can get more of this kind of Jamal Murray like he was in the third quarter where he was determined on defense he was taking open shots without any hesitation and he was still setting up his teammates the Nuggets ceiling just skyrockets he hasn't quite shown he can consistently be that player, but the fact that it's within his skill set and that you can clearly see it and that there are flashes of him putting it all together is very good for both Jamal's confidence and the Nuggets' confidence in Jamal Murray. But again, the Nuggets do not win this game without Jamal Murray's fantastic third quarter. He had 11 points, he had two assists, two blocks, and a steal in that quarter and really was just aggressive and tenacious on both ends of the floor. It wasn't just Jamal Murray that had a good third quarter either. Really, the entire Nuggets team was just lights out in that third quarter. They were so good top to bottom. And Harrison Wynn pointed out that it could have been one of the Nuggets' best quarters of the season. And I, I had complete trouble arguing with him. I mean, when you hold a team to 18 points and they are only able to hit 26% of their shots and you hold them to 36% from three and force seven turnovers, defensively, it's hard to think of anything better than that third quarter and then offensively the Nuggets shot 58% from the field 54.5% from three six of 11 shooting from three in that third quarter they had six steals in that third quarter alone and only turned the ball over twice I mean 
things were just clicking for that Nuggets in that third quarter. And in that six and a half minutes Paul Millsap played before getting hurt in that third quarter, he had 12 points on five of five shooting to go with three steals. It wasn't just Paul Millsap either. I mean, we talked about Jamal Murray's third quarter, 11 points, two assists, two blocks, and a steal. But Nikola Jokic, he was not shooting well. He was, I mean, he was 0 of 2 in the third quarter. And I believe, yeah, he was 3 of 13 for the game. But he had four rebounds and three assists in 11 minutes in that third quarter, and he was making sure the offense continued to function in the way that they needed to. That's why Nikola was a plus 16 in that stretch, and he threw in some very high-level defense as well. So overall, a very, very strong third quarter for the Nuggets. I mean... It was just great, and even and the other person that was great in that third quarter was Monte Morris. I mean, he had a floater, he had a three-pointer, again, keeping the, the Nuggets offense moving. He just continued to play well again and again and again. Um, still, though, the most important part of that third quarter was the fact that the Nuggets' defense finally got back into the game. The trio of Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Gary Harris were just epic on defense in that quarter. They were flying around, I mean... I mean, the six steals that the Nuggets had in that third quarter, three of them came from Paul Millsap, one came from Jamal Murray, one came from Gary Harris. And they were getting their hands on everything. It was really impressive to see that unit that started the third quarter, that starting group, really come out and just play lockdown defense when they needed them to. And that, again, was that third quarter was what won Denver the game. I can't say it enough. The Nuggets have been struggling in third quarters recently, but they came out of halftime and they absolutely slugged the Wolves first, and it was what led to them being able to win this game. I mean, Great teams put teams away in the third quarter, and while the Nuggets didn't put them away, a 35-18 to run over a 12-minute stretch is phenomenal basketball, and the Nuggets really locked up this much-needed win because of that third quarter run. Alright, now I want to talk about Gary Harris, because... Overall, if you looked at the stat line, Gary Harris struggled tonight. He had 17 points on 7 of 16 shooting. He was a very abysmal 1 of 8 from the 3-point line. And the first 5 threes that he got were wide open. I mean, that's really where a lot of the frustration comes from is that he was wide open for a lot of these attempts. Um, He did have 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals against just 1 turnover. But overall, Gary Harris struggled. Um... With that being said, he was really the only Nuggets player who was able to get anything done offensively in the fourth quarter. He had seven points, seven of the Nuggets, 18 points in the fourth quarter on three of five shooting, including his only three-pointer. But overall, I mean, Gary Harris, you would think, has been struggling. But I went back through, and I looked at Gary Harris's numbers from the last five games, and he, it looks like he is coming back. It looks like he's improving rapidly and that he's getting back to his former self. Over the last five games, Gary Harris is shooting 50% from the field, 43.8% from three, and is averaging 17.6 points a game, 2.8 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and 1.8 steals. That is phenomenal. I mean, that's great to see Gary get back into that role because that's who he's always been, a guy who can average 18-3-3, get a lot of steals, play great defense, but the way that Gary's been doing it is different than in the past few years. Gary's been much more of a strict off-ball offensive threat and a guy that locks down the opposing team's best guard player. 
Now, Gary Harris was operating as the de facto point guard for stretches for the Nuggets tonight and was really playing with the ball in his hands and dribble handoff sets a ton. When the Nuggets weren't able to get much going, they kept putting the ball in Gary Harris's hands, had Jokic set screens for him or run a dribble handoff with him, and getting him downhill towards the rim. He had just a filthy dunk going to his right at one point in this game, and it's really interesting to see Gary Harris continue to evolve as a player, and if he can continue to put up that kind of efficiency, 50% from the field, 43.8% from three, all while playing with the ball in his hands significantly more often, I mean... He, he he! all of a sudden could end up looking much more like an all-star caliber player in the very near future. So even though Gary Harris did struggle tonight, I'm not going to argue that he didn't struggle tonight. He is coming around and he is getting back to his former self. And if these open threes start to fall, man, Gary Harris could all of a sudden be a 20-point-per-game scorer for the Nuggets, shooting 43% from three and still getting to the rim basically whenever he wants to. So wait and watch Gary Harris is coming back and he is coming back quickly and this dude is really looking good again finally and the Nuggets are at their best when Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic are in a very symbiotic you know relationship and playing together that's one of the most deadly duos offensively in all of basketball so getting Gary Harris back to the hyper-efficient type of player he is should be one of the main priorities with this Nuggets team, and it seems like he's getting there, and man, that must make a lot of people very, very happy to see. The other notable storyline from the Nuggets game against the Wolves was the strange free-throw disparity that the Nuggets continually keep dealing with throughout this three-game road trip. So... The Nuggets in this game against the Wolves only were 5 of 6 from the from the free throw line. They only got 6 attempts from the free throw line while the Minnesota Timberwolves were 22 of 26. So that's 20 more free throws taken for the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is not a trend that has only happened in this game. I mean, if you go back over these last three games, the Nuggets are only averaging 9.3 free throw attempts a game. On the year, the Nuggets are averaging 22.2 free throw attempts per game. So what gives? What is going on with this team? I think the biggest thing is that they're not attacking the the rim in the same way. They're still getting into the paint, but they're looking to kick the ball out. They're always going in without the intention to score. So the actual, you know, aggression towards the rim is kind of it's kind of disingenuous because they're not going in with everything they have to get to the bucket to score. So now if the Nuggets got back to that forceful type of offensive play, I do think the free throws would come back because right now they've been settling a lot more than they've been really pushing the pace and attacking teams. So I would love to see the Nuggets get back to being the aggressors and be more consistent in that role. Um, also, I don't th- this, think this needs to be said. The Nuggets have also been getting a kind of an unfair whistle for the majority of these th- for the majority of the time throughout these three games. I'm not saying every call is going against the Nuggets. This is not some grand conspiracy, but overall, it, the whistle has not gone very well for Denver over these last three games. That probably won't stick. A lot of teams are dealing with issues when it comes to officials and the disparity between free throw attempts. But at the same time. 
the Nuggets can do themselves a lot of favors just by attacking the paint more relentlessly. Even tonight, Carl Anthony Towns had three fouls, and the Nuggets just weren't going at him. Like, that's when the teams need to turn on the switch and start just driving and driving and driving. Because this Nuggets team is at their best when they get defenses scrambled and they can continually make better decisions off the, uh, you know, with the ball in their hands on the move. Jamal Murray is a decent playmaker. Gary Harris can playmake on the move. Wancho Hernan Gomez has a little bit of that to him. But Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic is probably one of the best playmaking front courts in all of basketball. So there's enough players on this team who have the ability to at least keep the ball moving and make the correct decision on the move after breaking down the defense. And they need to get back doing more of that because just settling for jump shots is not going to be good for this Nuggets offense. And getting to the rim will at least allow them to keep creating these high-level looks that make this Nuggets offense so deadly. So, yes, I do think there's some disparity with the free throw attempts and the fact that the officials have been kind of mean to the Nuggets recently. But the Nuggets need to do themselves more favors by attacking the paint more relentlessly and with more more urgency. They just need to have more of a pace to their offensive game. The last thing I want to get to before we dive into what's ahead for the Nuggets and and start answering some questions that came in from Twitter from listeners is the Nuggets continually con- um, are just struggling in the fourth quarter. And it's really come down to the fact that they're just not executing in the way that they usually do throughout the first three quarters of the game. So tonight in the, in the fourth quarter, the Nuggets were up after having a big third quarter that we talked about. But they ended up losing the fourth quarter 27-18. to 18. Denver had five turnovers that directly led to 10 Wolves points, and Denver only shot 38.9% from the field in the fourth quarter. They were just really struggling in almost every facet. Trey Lyles was not good and had a turnover. Monte Morris even had a turnover in that quarter. Thankfully, Gary Harris came out and had seven points and finally hit a big three. And Paul Millsap returned to the game and was able to get a floater to go and get a couple big rebounds. But without that happening, the Denver Nuggets almost gave away this game again because they failed to execute in the fourth quarter. They have to find a way to get back on track when the game gets tight and the you know and the clock starts winding down because right now the Nuggets are in a lot of close games because their offense isn't at its perfect peak level yet and if they're gonna be in close games they have to execute late or you're gonna start having losses pile up like they have I mean the Nuggets losing six of seven is not just because they were failing to do everything in every capacity the big issue was was that was they were inconsistent and when the game got close they stopped executing they started turning the ball over started rushing shots started settling for good looks instead of creating great looks so overall these fourth quarter struggles have to be you know eradicated sooner rather than later or else the nuggets are going to keep losing close games right now i believe they're three and three in games decided by five points or less but that that is not that number does not show the struggles that denver has had in the fourth quarter they need to find a way to become more productive in those quarters or else things are going to get you know out of hand in a hurry, and that'll be bad news for the Nuggets as their schedule gets tougher and tougher as the season goes along. When talking about the schedule getting tougher and tougher as the season goes along, it's impossible not to look at the Nuggets' eight games because it's going to be... I guess these this eight-game stretch is going to tell us a lot about this Nuggets team. So first of all, six of the next eight games are on the road after the Nuggets just had a three-game road trip. So that means... 
Nine of their 11 games going back three games when they started this past road trip are on the road. So next, they're going to come back to the Pepsi Center to take on the Magic, and then they're going to go back out to Oklahoma City to take on the Surging Thunder. Then they come back home to Denver to take on the Lakers before traveling back out to take on Portland on the West Coast, Toronto all the way on the East Coast, go down to Orlando, then to Charlotte, and then to Atlanta. These eight games are so interesting because you have teams that are struggling like Atlanta. You have teams that are just getting going like Oklahoma City. You have teams that are middling that are still dangerous, but they're not great in Orlando twice. And then you also have Charlotte, who's been great, Toronto, who's been great, and Portland, who's been great. With all of these games, after this eight-game stretch, we're going to have a much clearer picture as to how good this Nuggets team really is. If they can find a way to go 5-3 and three on this stretch, that would be massive for them because that would show that this Nuggets team can take care of games on the road, they can beat teams they are better than, and if they can get a couple high-profile wins against teams like Portland, Toronto, or Charlotte, it's going to immediately put Denver back on the national scene as one of the up-and-coming teams in the Western Conference. They have the talent to do so, and they have the roster to do so, and they have the schemes to do so. All they need to do now is put it together, and hopefully this Minnesota win at least gets the Nuggets feeling good about themselves once again so they can go into this eight-game stretch ready to go and geared up to start peeling off some wins once again like they were doing earlier in the year. Before we jump into some Twitter questions from all of the listeners of this podcast, let me give you one more quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. They are going to be promoting what they call Green Friday specials for November 23rd through the 25th. So that'll be basically after Thanksgiving for the next couple days. They're doing two packs of Terrapins for $30, $5 cones, 25% off all Double Bear Live resin, and then Friday only, they're doing $59 and $49 dip and rip shake ounces on friday and saturday they're doing 69 and 59 dollar dip and rip shake ounces and then all weekend long you're going to get an 85 dollar mix and match ounces again terrapin care station is all over the denver metro area they do great work they're quick they're clean it's just a very very great environment to be a part of and it's somewhat it's a company that i trust myself so definitely hop in there let them know Mile High Sports sent you and get some good discounts from Terrapin Care Station. All right, time to get to my favorite segment, which is answering questions from listeners on Twitter. Let's just get into it. Corey on Twitter asked, what do, what do the Nuggets do about their fourth quarter offense? I think the biggest thing the Nuggets can do to get their offense back on track is to stop settling for jumpers early in the shot clock. I would make an argument that they're probably shooting within the first 10 seconds of the shot clock far more often than they need to, and they're not breaking down the defense. They're kind of just moving the ball around the perimeter until they get to an okay enough shot to take it without feeling bad about it, when instead the Nuggets need to be breaking down defenses, getting into the paint, kicking it out, running it through Jokic to the high post, having cutters getting through the get, getting through the paint having shooters run off of screens and things like that like what makes their nuggets offense so good and it seems like this nuggets team panics in the fourth quarter to put it simply it seems like they get out of their vibe and out of their groove because suddenly they the pressure is on and they need to be able to produce in these high-pressure possessions. That's why they were able to produce when Paul Millsap came back. And I think the biggest issue this Nuggets offense has struggled in the fourth quarter is because Nikola Jokic has not taken possession of this offense when he needs to. 
it's going to take time for Nikola Jokic to become that kind of player that says, give me the ball, let me go dominate. But he can become that player, and he has shown that he can do that before. It's just right now he has not really been able to get into that frame of mind to be that dominating force when the Nuggets need him to. So I think it's a couple things. I think the Nuggets need to be able to stop turning the ball over in the fourth quarter. They need to stop settling for jump shots early in the shot clock, and they need to just play their brand of basketball without panicking. They just need to trust the system and continually keep doing what makes them great and what has gotten them this far because right now they're panicking, they're settling, and they're rushing in the fourth quarter, and it's really killing their offense. Um, Next question. From Wancho's Burner on Twitter. I don't think this is actually Wancho's Burner account, but at the same time, who actually knows in this day and age of NBA? Um, Why is Trey Lyles playing so poorly? This is an interesting question because I do agree. Trey Lyles has been struggling, and it looks like he's just kind of pressing. His three-point jump shot has just not come around this year at all. He's really struggling from distance, and it's made his life very difficult overall. He was 2 of 7 again tonight from the field and just did not look comfortable shooting. He's only 23.6% from the three-point line and only 43.7% from the field so far this season. Um, I think he's just pressing. I think, honestly, he's just too in his own head about his game. And when you start overthinking your shots, you start pushing too much when your shot's short, you start trying to pull it when it goes left or right, and you're kind of overcompensating and overcorrecting in a way that actually hurts your game as opposed to helping it. So I think Trey Lyles really just kind of needs to see his shot fall, needs to get out of his own head, and just let things happen organically. Because right now it, it, it he is playing poorly, and I think it's 100% because he's just in his own head. Um, so Chris Morley or CH Morley on Twitter, he asked, what was up with the whistle? And I talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the free throw disparity earlier in the podcast, but I think the Nuggets are not doing themselves any favors by not getting into the paint and trying to attack themselves. They're kind of playing a more passive brand of offensive basketball, and when you're not driving into the lane with the intention of scoring, usually officials aren't going to give you nearly as many foul calls. So I think that is one thing, and and honestly, I think the whistle has just kind of been bad in the past couple games. That happens. It's going to happen all the time in the NBA because these are human error involved mistakes from officials. I mean, no human is going to be perfect, especially not officials who are watching the most incredible athletes of our generation go up and down the court at an incredible pace. It's very, very difficult to get every call right, and there are going to be moments where it just doesn't work out, and tonight and the past three games were, you know, examples of that. To keep it moving with the Twitter questions, the next one is from at RocketsGuy94 on Twitter. He asked, are you okay with Jokic playing passer or does he need to be our go-to scorer in the fourth quarter? I am not okay with Jokic just being the passer when the game gets tight like this. I do think there's a middle ground, though. I don't think you want Jokic just jacking shots in the fourth quarter. I think you just want Jokic to be... An aggress- a more aggressive version of himself, whether that means passing, whether that means rebounding, whether that means just one-on-one bullying guys in the post. I think that Jokic kind of gets to a point in fourth quarters where he would rather not make a mistake as opposed to asserting himself on the game. And when players start playing like that, where they're playing not to lose instead of to win, it tends to hurt their overall play. So I don't think it's a matter of should Jokic score or should he pass. I think it's more of just Jokic Jokic needs to be aggressive and he needs to look at the rim and be a threat at any given point that he is on the floor. When he's not like that, 
it really takes away from what, again, makes the Nuggets great because this offense revolves around Nikola Jokic. Jokic is the engine that makes all this work. So if he's being passive, the rest of the Nuggets' offense is going to be passive and they're going to stop executing late in the games. That is just what it seems like. So I don't think it's a passing thing. I don't think it's a scoring thing. I think it's just being aggressive and being a threat to be able to do all of those different kinds of things. Um, FGZO on Twitter asked, who is going to tell Jamal that his turnovers have to stop and why does he keep jump passing? This, I like this question, specifically the second part of the question, which was why does he keep jump passing? Because I think it sums up where Jamal Murray's issues are overall as a player. I mean, Jamal is at a point right now where he is much more along the lines of He's in his own head. It seems like he's pressing just like I was talking about with Trey Lyles. He's in a situation where he's really trying to find his niche. And instead of being able to find where he fits in, he's kind of overcompensating and pushing himself. And when you start overthinking, that's when all of a sudden he's jumping in the air without a whole lot of idea of what he's going to do if he's trying to score, if he's trying to pass, and he gets caught in the middle. The same thing had to do with his turnovers. When he starts overthinking, he starts you know, turning the ball over. He's not playing instinctual anymore. Those are going to be the Nuggets' issues. Those are going to be the young kind of issues for a very inexperienced team. And the more reps that Jamal Murray gets, hopefully that starts to go away. But Jamal has to make the the effort to change his game so that he doesn't turn the ball over in this way. I agree that it's really hurting the Nuggets, and it's something he needs to figure out. And hopefully guys like Will Barton and Isaiah Thomas are getting in his ear about that, about having an intention behind doing everything that he does. The last question on Twitter is from Josh, and it said, It seems that the Nuggets offense has been great in almost all aspects except making shots. Can you put your finger on why? I wanted to talk about this question specifically because I don't really agree because I do think the Nuggets generate great shots for stretches, but then they disappear for stretches as well, and they fall into this, you know, restless early jumpers early in the shot clock settling for you know okay shots and I think that has a lot to do with just the aggression of this Nuggets offense they need to punch first they need to not be reactive and they need to be getting into guys and they need to be able to start forcing the issue more and if they don't do that they're not their offense is not going to get back on track and the shots are not going to fall I think guys are just out of a rhythm because the offense it plays at almost two completely different speeds right now so it's hard to be in a rhythm when you're not exactly sure how your shots are going to come or when they're going to come or how the offense is going to operate around you because it's changing from five minutes spurt to five minutes spurt thank you everybody for listening i really appreciate you guys you know supporting the podcast and being around it uh we will be back with more but until then have a very happy thanksgiving